to Ephesians chapter 1, uh, verse 17. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 17. Hallelujah. It says that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation uh, in the knowledge of him. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened that you may know what is the hope of his calling and what the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. Um, I think the first place we started last week, um, let's go back to verse 17 that he may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. Uh, beginning to understand that wisdom is extremely important and wisdom and knowledge and revelation or understanding, I should say, are not all the same thing. Uh, you can have knowledge and not understand the knowledge that you have. Uh, if you've ever heard Reverend Ricky preach, he says it here a lot. He says, I don't know how a brown cow can eat green grass and produce white milk. And when it's churned, it turns into yellow butter. But the fact of the matter is it happens. And so we can have knowledge, but not have understanding of how things work. Uh, you know that our kind of something we say all the time that in all of our getting uh, we will get understanding. Understanding becomes the key uh, to wisdom. And so knowledge is one thing. Uh, understanding is another. But wisdom is how you function with the knowledge that you have relating to the understanding that you have. And so one of the biggest challenges that people face when they are dealing with the things concerning God is really not knowledge, it's wisdom. It's, it's they don't, number one, understand what God is saying. And number two, uh, they don't know or how to apply the wisdom that it takes in order to apply what God has told you. Uh, this is where people will say, well, I know God says that he's a healer. I know God says he will uh, never leave you nor forsake you. I know that God says he will prosper you. I know that God says, you know, they understand all of the promises of God, but as a society, we have gotten away from the wisdom of God. In other words, uh, we have raised a, 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 a generation of people that believe that you can follow God without forsaking the world. Um, it, it's a tragedy because people in the church are supposed to be different. People in the church are supposed to act different. Uh, we are not to be numbered of people in the world. We're not supposed to do uh, the things that worldly people do. And anymore, um, someone out of church will cuss you out just as fast as the world will. And they'll do it in the name of Jesus and then wonder why we see there's a problem there. Um, and, and the realities are that it's because there is no... Uh, requirement. There's no standard, if you will. There's no bar uh, of excellence being raised to say this is the uh, place where we're supposed to be and hold ourselves. And so the greatest challenge is the wisdom and revelation. Uh, wisdom and revelation are in the place where he says, I pray that the God would give you 
wisdom and revelation or the spirit of wisdom and revelation. In other words, to understand what it is you see and know how to apply what you see in a way that generates a particular result. And so if there's a certain result that God is desiring, see, the difference between logos and rhema is very simple. Logos is the written word. Rhema is why it was written. Or in other words, what is the point? So if I tell you that God is Jehovah uh, uh, Rapha, which means he is your healer. Well, Jehovah Rapha is the logos. The fact that he's your healer is the rhema. That's what he's trying to tell you. That's the whole point of saying that his name is Jehovah Rapha. He's trying to tell you that he is the one who is your healer. And so the point or the matter by which the word is sent becomes a rhema or the revelation of that word as it applies to what you do in your life. So now when he's saying that I pray that God gives you uh, the spirit of wisdom and revelation, he says that the eyes of your understanding being enlightened that you may know. Uh, in other words, there are things that will come to you that do not always come through natural senses. And, and to be honest with you, the deeper things of God don't come through what you see. Just because there's a struggle in your life or just because there's a challenge in your life doesn't mean God is in that challenge, doesn't mean God is behind that challenge, and doesn't mean that God desires for you to stay anywhere close to being in the midst of that challenge. And this is why when you begin to see that he's saying that the eyes of your understanding, one translation says uh, to be flooded with light, you have to know that God is not uh, going to reveal the deeper things uh, to you by your senses. It's not something you get to see. It's something that you begin uh, to know. And so if you would, real quick, keep your finger here because I think we're probably coming right back. But um, let's go to... I believe, hang on one second, y'all. Psalms 25, verse 14. Psalms 25, 14. It says, The secret of the Lord is with them that fear him, and he will show them his covenant. If you put that in the Amplified, that'd be great. Amplified Classic, please. Look what this says. The secret of the sweet, satisfying companionship of the Lord have they who fear, revere, and worship him. And he will show them his covenant. And then what does it say? So then, do you understand that there are things that I don't care what revelation of God you have, there are deeper things that he wants to reveal to you. And he doesn't reveal them through the circumstances. He doesn't reveal them in the natural. This is why the, the, the spirit of wisdom and revelation is so needed uh, in the body of Christ today. I'm telling you, this is such a problem uh, because people think, well, sin is a problem. Sin, you know, people were sinning against God and sin this and sin that. And uh, it's the greatest problem facing the church is not sin. Sin has been dealt with over 2,000 years ago. The greatest problem facing the church today is a lack of skill uh, concerning the things of God, the word of God, and how to apply 
uh, the things that God wants you to have so that he can continue to reveal uh, the deep inner meaning of his covenant. Uh, there are things that he wants to show you. There are things he wants to reveal to you. It doesn't come through your natural senses. It comes through having a deep relationship with God and having the ability to have that spirit of wisdom and revelation working on the inside of you that allows you to get, gain a greater understanding. Uh, we sometimes as believers want to flirt with the line and never realizing that God gave us wisdom for a reason. Uh, it, it's, it's like when people are young, they think, well, we can make stupid decisions because we're young. No, you can't make stupid decisions because you're young. There was a time where the worst decision you can make did not have eternal consequences. But as things are getting worse and worse in the society we live in today, kids got to be as smart as the adults do. This is one of the reasons why I'm not a real big fan of the whole teen separate ministry. Uh, put them in a room and, and, and pump out, you know, Christian rock music and have them learn absolutely nothing. They turn 18, go to college. There's nothing on the inside of them. And then the colleges, uh, secular colleges, beat them up with secular doctrine and then they lose whatever Jesus they had. And then they come out four years later having lost everything that it took 18 years for you to put in them. I believe that they need to be in the same meetings that we're in, the same services we're in, because they're facing problems sometimes bigger than you are. Because as you get older, as you know, your problems uh, in, in relation to the world get less. <laughs> or let me say it this way, your perspective is better. And so we have to understand that wisdom becomes the key to having a revelation of its deep inner meaning. The things, just think about the things that if you operated in wisdom, uh, that God would begin to reveal unto you and take you to a greater uh, place. Let's look at um, Matthew. We'll go to Matthew 6. Verse uh, 24. We put that in the King James, that'd be great. No man can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Therefore I say unto you, take no thought for your life, what you shall eat, what you shall drink, or yet for your body, what you shall put on. It is, is not the life more than meat and the body than raiment? Behold, the fowls are there, for they sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather into barns. Yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are ye not more, uh, much better than they? Which of you, by taking thought, can add one cubit unto his stature? Then why take ye thought for raiment? Consider the lilies of the field. They, do not, uh, they grow, yet they toil not, neither do they spin. Yet I say unto you that even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Wherefore, if God so clothe the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? Wherefore, take no thought, saying, What shall ye uh, eat, or what shall we drink, or wherewith shall we be clothed? For after all these things the Gentiles seek, for your heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need of all these things." But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be what? Added unto you. He starts out by talking about mammon. 
And he says there's a master of mammon, and then there's a master called God. He says the two masters are not the same. In other words, the master of mammon will get you to make decisions based on money, based on resources, based on what you have. He begins to explain, and he says the lilies of the field, he said they don't sow uh, or reap, yet and still they are growing, and God takes care of them. He says that uh, the birds, they don't sow or reap. They don't have anything uh, that would be a spiritual principle per se, but yet God still takes care of them through divine providence. He says, how many of you can add to your uh, height by just thinking about it? Now, notice what he's doing. He is laying out the plan or the substratum of an understanding that says you cannot act like the world or you cannot let the world control your decision-making. You either follow God or you're going to follow the world, but you cannot do both. Why? Because you will love one and you will hate the other. Or in other words, you will begin to despise the other. And let me say it to you this way. Because a lot of people, when you hear hate or despise, you miss the very nature of that explanation of what that means. Hate doesn't, uh, in translation of the Bible, hate doesn't mean that you actively despise or you loathe somebody. Hate could be just as much as you ignoring one for the other. And so, remember, he says, they that honor me, I will honor. He said, they that despise me, I lightly esteem. So, in other words, to despise God is to give no value to what God has said. So, even though you know God has said, this is a problem, don't do this, this is the way I want you to go, to lend no value to it and to allow your pocketbook or your thinking or your inadequacies or your inabilities to begin to direct your decision making because you assume somewhere along the line that God does not know exactly what's going on. So, God told you, this is what I need you to do, this is how I want you to do it, but then you let outward circumstances begin to drive. You are serving a different master because you put aside what God has said to serve are, are you seeing this so he says what you have to begin to realize is that if you serve God then it, it doesn't matter of the circumstance because what people think is that the the nature of success when it comes to finances when it comes to healing when it comes to prospering and I want you to understand when I say prospering I don't mean money I mean prospering in every area of your life if you think that somehow uh, God is glorified by you not having a full supply and meeting your needs. I don't know which God you're serving. Because the God that I serve said, I'll never leave you and I'll never forsake you. The God that I said is that I will supply all of your need according to his riches in Christ Jesus. So within my supply, the word supply comes from um, choreography. Uh, it, 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 it comes from the word of uh, the root words that mean to set aside for somebody. In other words, uh, when you choreograph something, you pre-plan it. You, you pre-set it down, and this is what we're going to do. And so when you would have a uh, troop that would travel, like a group of people that would travel, whether it be in the arts, whether it be performance, dance, whatever the case may be, they would have an endowment set aside that would take care of them as they traveled. And so the same Greek word supply, that's what that word means. It means that I have an endowment that's been set aside for me to utilize as I go. Are, are you with me? 
So then if he says, I will supply all of your need, then he's telling you, I've already, chore- I've already choreographed, I've already orchestrated, I've already gotten into place the things that you will need to walk out the plan that I have for you. And so if he has a plan for you, then he is the one who has to finance the plan. This is why you find sometimes you're like, okay, well, I don't understand why uh, certain ministries, for example, are constantly struggling financially and begging and begging and begging for money. You have to ask yourself a question. If it was a godly thing and God was supplying, why are they always in lack? And it may not mean solely that God is not in it, but it could be missing it somewhere. Because if there's a full supply, then there should be a supply. Are, are you understanding what I'm saying? And so what we have to begin to realize is that the, 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 he says the way that you do things is what separates you from the world. He says, your father knows that you have need of all these things. He says, why ask for clothes? Why ask for stuff? Why ask for food? Why ask for all of your needs? He says, why are you seeking after this the way that the Gentiles do it? Why do you keep using the pattern of the world to get after the things that you want? Why do you sit here and think you have to have, you know, more degrees than a thermometer in order to be uh, successful in life? Why do you think I have no problem with higher education, but I also have a problem with the idea of you thinking that's the only way God can prosper you? Because when you begin to put your trust in stuff and man and things, you will find that it is not there. So will God tell some people to go higher education? Of course he will. Will God tell some people you don't have to do that? Of course he will. And we have to be very careful of creating a model in our head of what it takes to be successful. Do I think you should have an education? Yes. Do I think you should trust in it? No. Because I know people with more degrees than a thermometer flipping burgers. Some people still ain't got out of school. They, they just career students. So I want you to begin to see that he says, here's my problem with mammon and with God. He goes, there's a way that these things are supposed to work. And when you work it the way that I want you to work it, then you will experience a level of success that the world cannot claim they gave it to you. And if the world can't claim that they gave it to you, then the world is not able to take it away from you. And so when you watch uh, uh, Christians and you watch them who, you know, God has spoke to them and said, here, I want you to start a business. I want you to do this. I want you to do that. One of the challenges I'm telling you as to why it never seems to manifest the way that it should, it has nothing to do with the promise of God. It has to do with wisdom. It has to do with, okay, God, I understand what you want me to do. Now, how do you want me to do it? How do you want me to put this together? I, I've, I've seen situations with people who have businesses that have failed. Not because God wasn't in it, but because they refused to apply wisdom. And, and wisdom is not the world's wisdom. It's godly wisdom. And when God will tell you and show you how to put the pieces together, he'll show you how to bring the parts together, you then have to walk this thing out. Or else God just stops talking. Because if you're not listening, <laughs> how many of you stay on the phone with somebody you know and shut you off and not listening? <clears throat> you ever notice you're talking to somebody, how do you know they're not listening? Because their answers never correlate to what you just said. Or there's a delay. 
And you're like, okay, what are you doing? Why? Because their answers never correlate to what you just said, and there's a delay. You ever be talking to somebody on the phone, and you know they're not listening? <clears throat> and how do you know they're not listening? Because their answers, and there's a, and then you want to think your delayed obedience is not disobedience. <laughs> yeah. Let's go to First Kings. <clears throat> so he says, But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be what? Added unto you. Uh, if you have a Bible that has footnotes in it, you will find it will take you to, uh, in this particular portion of Scripture, it's kind of interesting that Jesus brings in Solomon. And if you look at this, you will, you will find that it references the moment when the Queen of Sheba came uh, and met King Solomon. So what I want you to do for a moment, because we're going to get there hopefully today, if not next week, I'll get to that point. But I want you to see something in the fact that when Solomon is first coming into his kingdom, First uh, Kings chapter 3, verse 8, verse 7, rather. 1 Kings 3.7 says, And now, O Lord my God, thou hast made thy servant king instead of David my father. But I am a little child and know not how to go out or to come in. Can you put that in the Amplified Classic, please? Now, O Lord my God, you have made your servant king instead of David my father. And I am but a lad. Now, notice what it says. In wisdom and what? I know not how to go out. In other words, I don't know how to begin. And I don't know how to finish. So as he's appealing to God, he's saying, listen, I really don't have wisdom. I know some things. I even understand some things. He said, but I don't know how to make all of this work. He said, I really don't know how to start it. And I really don't know how to finish it. So then, let's look at what God responds. And thy servant is in the midst of thy people, which thou hast chosen, a great people that cannot be numbered nor counted for multitude. Give therefore thy servant an understanding heart to judge thy people that I may discern between good and bad, and who is able to judge this so thy greater people. Uh, and the speech pleased the Lord, that Solomon had asked this thing. And God said unto him, Because thou hast asked this thing, and hast not asked for thyself long life, you have not asked for riches, you have not asked for raiment, you don't ask for food, you didn't ask for clothes, you didn't ask for anything other than wisdom. So look what he says. Neither has I asked riches for thyself, nor has I asked for life for thyself, uh, or life of thy enemies, but has asked for thyself understanding to discern judgment. In other words, he asked for God's way of dealing with things. That's what judgment means. Judgment is not always bad. I know uh, a lot of times when you come out of different denominations, you hear the word judgment. You're like, ooh, God's going to judge you. I, I need God to judge me. <laughs> I need him to. I need him to judge situations in my life, particularly when I'm treated unfairly. I need him to judge that. 
Because if someone deals with me incorrectly and God judges it, guess what happens? I win. That's why a lot of times when you say, when you see movies where, where in the ancient times where they say, we're about to go to war, and they say, let God judge between us. That's what they mean. They mean somebody's going to win and somebody's going to lose. And so <clears throat> when God said to him, because thou hast asked this thing, you have not asked for yourself long life. You didn't ask for riches. You didn't ask for clothes or raiment. You didn't ask for food. You didn't ask for how where we, you know, how do we clothe uh, how do we get clothes? We didn't ask for anything other than your way of doing things. Seek ye first his kingdom and his righteousness. And then all of the other things will be added unto you. So he says, you've asked for thyself understanding to discern judgment. Keep going. Behold, I have done according to thy words. Now, here's... here's <laughs> He didn't say, I need you to wait about 10 years because you're still too young. He made a request. And God said, behold, I have done according to thy words. Lo, I have given thee a wise and understanding heart so that there was none like thee before thee. Neither after thee shall any arise like unto thee. Keep going. And I've also given thee, I have added unto you the things you didn't ask for because you didn't seek it like the Gentiles would. Because if, the, if you check a Gentile's prayer, they only pray to God when they're in the bed with someone or they want something. He says, And I have also given thee that which thou has not asked both riches and honor that there shall be none among the kings like unto thee all thy days. If thou will walk in my ways. Now here's, here's where he adds the stipulation. In other words, I'm going to prosper you. But you're going to have to stay with my wisdom. You're going to have to do this my way. And if you keep my statutes and my commandments as thy father did David did walk then I will also let you live longer so then is there a expiration date on the bottom of your foot so then we deal with situations in life where we say so and so died early well what was that we don't know but you can't use that as a benchmark for your life. Because what happened in someone else's life is not going to be the same as yours if you would walk in his statutes and his commandments. And he will lengthen your days. Now, we know David did some stupid stuff. Right? If you don't know, now you know. But yet he said, do it as your father David did. Which means, obviously, when mistakes are made, you make it right. Because I don't want you to think it's a perfect thing because it's not. But it's a heart issue. And he said, if you will see, since you sought me first, I will add all these other things that you didn't ask for. I'll add them unto you and I will lengthen the days of your life. Keep going. And Solomon awoke. Now, I, <laughs> I need you to really understand that this is all happening to him in a dream.
He's having a vision. He's having a conversation with God. And when he awakes, and behold, it was a dream, he came to Jerusalem, stood before the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord, and offered up burnt offerings and offered peace offerings and made a feast to all his servants. So now the question becomes that if he's in the midst of a dream, and how many, let's say, what do you sleep? How many sleep eight hours? I'm a six kind of person. Usually if I go beyond eight, it gets kind of rough for me. So I'm usually about a six-hour to seven-hour window. But let's just say it's eight hours. Let's say he's an aggressive sleeper, so he slept for ten hours. <clears throat> From the time he went to sleep, he's having a conversation, to the time he wakes up is, let's say, ten hours. And God said, I did it. He asked, ten hours later, he wakes up and it's done. Yeah. Came to Jerusalem, stood before the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord, made, offered up burnt offerings. Why would you offer up an offering if God didn't just give you something? That's why you do burnt offerings and peace offerings. They made a feast unto all servants because God just gave him something. And that was his way Has anything transpired yet in the natural? But yet and still, God made him a promise and told him, because you didn't ask for this, I'm going to give you this. And the first thing he does when he gets the word is he gives an offering. Where a lot of people say things like, well, you know, if God blesses me with the million dollars and that's when I'll give an offering because I'll have a million dollars and the problem is that you are too late because what you're doing is you're saying I have to see it before I can walk in faith to receive it he got a word from God that said this is what I'm going to do for you and immediately he came with an offering <laughs> there's such a principle in there but I just don't know that everybody's ready to hear it because so many people are wrapped up in, 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 in the idea of what they're offering to that they don't realize the nature of being controlled by mammon or God. Because when you're controlled by God, the moment God promised it to you, if you would believe that you receive, you shall have whatsoever you. So then when did you get it? The moment I got it. <laughs> but you don't have it. Yes, I do. Well, I can't see it. Neither can I. But faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of what is not seen. The whole realm of faith operates in a place where I cannot tell you or show it to you. I just know that it's so deep on the inside of me that I have a very clear understanding of what it is because he showed it to me. Because if I ask for wisdom, the Bible says he abradeth not and he gives to all men liberally. Wisdom is not how to, it's not what to do. It's how to do it. Wisdom is not, well, Lord, tell me what, you know, how can I make a million dollars? Or how can I do this? Or how can I do that? Listen, do you realize the pet rock made somebody a millionaire? A pet rock. Something that's in front of your house. That everybody, you could drive down the street and grab one. But I'm going to sell you one. 
all from the revelation of a witty idea. What I'm trying to get you to understand is the reason why the body of Christ really struggles is not because they don't know the promise. It's because they refuse to operate in wisdom. If you are so lazy that you couldn't get a job in a pie factory eating pies, you are not going to prosper. If you think that God's going to send a, a dog with, with, a, with a barrel around his neck like the St. Bernard's, with, you know, it, you know, in the cartoons, a big old barrel around his neck with, with $50 million in it. If you think that's what's going to happen, you are deceived. If you really think you can sow $91.99 to some televangelist and you'll get 9,991 blessings. See, people want to get rich the fast way. They want to play the lottery. And hope they hit a million dollars. But they don't want to work. And God says, I give you the knowledge. I give you the, the ability to get wealth. He didn't say I drop it in your lap. It's not going to fall from the sky. If you're waiting for money to fall from the sky, you have a wrong impression of your God. Because your God is not a counterfeiter. So for him to drop money out the sky, he'd have to counterfeit that money to drop it out the sky. I never ask God for more money, ever. I ask him for better ideas. I ask him for clarity and understanding. I ask him for a next business. I ask him for, God, show me what you want me to do. How do you want me to do it? it, it it's like, here, here's one. This is not going to go over well. I'm already, I'm, I'm telling you ahead of time. It's not going to go over well. But y'all know me. I'm going to say it anyway. <coughs> People say things like, well, why do you have to have this kind of car and drive this type of car or drive that type of car? Couldn't you have helped some families with it or done something different? Okay, you ready? <clears throat> it takes 800 people to build a Rolls Royce. Amen. It takes 25 of them to build a Chevy. Eight hundred people to build a Rolls Royce from start to end. And it takes 25 human beings to build a Chevy. See, I, I want you to understand, I don't have a Rolls Royce. Yet. <laughs> On D-Way. But what I want you to understand is, the point I'm getting to you at is poverty messes with people. See, when you, if you think money is the answer to poverty, it's not. This is why the money is not the answer to poverty. You want to you know how I can prove that? Because 70 to 80% of all people who hit the lottery are broke within 10 years. What does that tell you? Money is not the solution to poverty. It's the way you think. Why, why would it be okay for us to have a problem with someone who does spiritual business to have a jet, but you're okay with someone like Jeff Bezos who makes $2,500 a second? A second. A second. You know what that means? He could drop a $100 bill and it would cost him more to bend over to pick it up than it would be just to keep walking.
I, I, I struggle with the idea that people can't seem to understand. No, never mind. Let, let's. Jesus. All right. All right. All right. All right. Yeah. You. 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 Uh, okay. So let's go to. Um, Where is that? Oh, thank you, sir. Let's go to I think it's first Kings, let's see. Let's go to, uh, amen, thank you, sir. First Kings 10, God bless you. First Kings 10, we're going to go to verse, uh, let's start verse 1. First Kings 10, verse 1. When the Queen of Sheba heard the fame of Solomon concerning the name, this, when he says that none of these lilies are arrayed like Solomon was, in other words, he's saying, they don't sow, they don't reap, the birds don't sow, the birds don't reap, yet he still takes care of them. How much, more, how much better are you than those birds? How much better are you than the lilies of the field? How much better are you, our grass, that grows today and is burned in the furnace tomorrow? He's saying you're better than them. Then he says, look at Solomon. In other words, look at what I did for Solomon because he was my covenant child. Let me show you what he did for him. And so that references back to this scripture right here that I'm getting ready to read to you. And when the Queen of Sheba heard the fame of Solomon concerning the name of the Lord, when she heard the fame of Solomon concerning what? She came to prove him or to test him with hard questions. She heard in her kingdom, this ain't no slouch. This ain't no hollaback girl. She's Queen Sheba. She has her own kingdom. She heard all the way over in her kingdom what was going on in his kingdom. And she came to test him. Now watch what it says. She came to Jerusalem with a very great train, with camels and bare spices and very much gold and precious stones. And when she came to Solomon, she communed with him all that was in her heart. Now I want you to understand something. She's not a, she's not a believer. But she understood a principle, don't come to him empty-handed. He is the wealthiest king, period. Oh, God. So then, why would she come to him? Is there anything she could bring him he doesn't have? But do you ever notice how people who have a poverty mindset think they should come to somebody to get something and not bring I remember one time there was a, a, a person that came and they started in on, well, I want you to be my uh, uh, partner, uh, covenant, whatever, something to that line of where they wanted me to like be their spiritual father or something and, and work with them one-on-one -on -one and help them in all the things they wanted to do. And, and I said, you know that cost, right? 
Well, the Bible says the, 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 you know, that freely given, uh, freely receive, freely give. I'm like, no, no, listen. If you think that I am here to personally work with you at your beck and call, there's, there's a cost associated with that. Well, because <laughs> my response was, you don't even give. If you gave and supported the ministry, I have no problem making an investment. But you want from me, but you won't. This is why people who are invested, they have a voice. But people who don't give, you don't have a voice. You're not invested. You're really just, it's just dishonorable to think you can say what should happen somewhere that you have no investment in. That's like you and your wife living in a house and some random dude walks up and says, I want to tell you what color we're going to paint your walls. I don't think so. You have not made not narrow one mortgage payment. So she comes <laughs> and she brings a gift. Of course, that person is no longer here, by the way. Because I made it very clear, you don't get without having an investment. So she came to test him, but she paid him to test him. <sighs> she came to Jerusalem with a very great train with camels and bear spices and very much gold. Do me a favor, don't ever bring me a camel because I don't want one. And the precious stones, I'll take those. And when she came to Solomon, she communed with him all that was in her heart. Now watch what happens. Solomon told her all her questions. There was not anything hid from her which he told her not. Do you think that if she'd have showed up with nothing, that he'd have answered all her questions and told her everything she wanted to know? It wasn't the money. It wasn't the stuff. It was the honor. That's why honor is the currency of heaven, which is one of our latest books. Shameless, shameless plug. You should get it. So... <laughs> And Solomon told her all her questions, and there was not anything hid from the king which he told her not. And when the queen of Sheba had seen all Solomon's wisdom, watch this, and the house that he had built. When you see house in the Bible, it means a system. It doesn't mean just a home. It means a system. You come from the house of David. You come from the house of Whatever. I mean, it, it, it's, you know, my kids will be able to say they come from the house of Herndon. It's, it's a system that you built. And you build this system that affects generations. So it has nothing to do with just a home. This is deeper than that. But when she saw the system that he had built, and watch how it explains it. The meat of his table. When is meat a house? You have a house built of meat, anybody? So it can't be a, a regular house, is it? The sitting of his servants, the attendance of his ministers, their apparel, his cupbearers, his ascent by which he went up into the house of the Lord. How did he learn how to do that? It's an open book test, y'all. We just talked about it. He asked. He said, how do I do this? And God gave it to him and said, this is how you do it. 
This is how you come in and come out. This is how you address the meat for your table. This is how you sit your servants. This is how your ministers are supposed to serve. This is how your people are supposed to dress. This is why our ushers dress the way that they do, and they look sharp doing it. I don't care what everybody else does. They wear Hawaiian shirts and khaki shorts. Knock yourself out. But when I come into the house of the Lord, I'm going to look like I came to serve God. I'm going to look like I came that I know the one who created me. I know exactly what it is that he wants us to do. And so when he set it all in order, it says there was no spirit left in her. You know what that means? There was no breath left in her. She couldn't breathe. Can you imagine somebody walking into your business, walking into your house, and looking around, and it's so much that it takes their, they just like, I can't breathe. <gasps> Let's go. So then he says, and she said to the king, it was a true report that I heard in my own land of thy acts and of thy wisdom. Keep going. Howbeit I believe not the words until I came and my eyes had seen it and behold the half was not told to me. Thy wisdom and prosperity exceedeth the fame which I heard. Happy are thy men. <laughs> Happy are these thy servants which stand continually before thee, and that hear thy wisdom. Blessed be the Lord thy God, which delighteth in thee, and set thee on the throne of Israel, because the Lord loved Israel forever. Therefore made he thee king to do judgment and justice. Verse 10. And she gave the king a hundred and twenty talents of gold and of spices of very great store and precious stones. There came no more such abundance of spices and as these which the queen Sheba gave to the king uh, Solomon. Can somebody who has a phone multiply five zero? Anybody real quick got a phone with a calculator on it? Pull it out real quick. Five zero three three times 120. What is it? 603,960. She brought over $600,000 worth of gold. That's not even including spices. That's not including precious stones. Let's keep going. And the navy also of Hiram and brought gold from Ophir and brought in from Ophir uh, great plenty of almond trees and precious stones. And the king made of the almond trees pillars for the house of the Lord and for the king's house harps and psalteries for singers. There came no such almond trees nor seen unto this day. The king Solomon gave unto the queen of Sheba all her desire, whatever she asked, besides that which Solomon gave her of his royal bounty. So she turned and went to her own country, she and her servants. Keep going. Now the weight of the gold that came to Solomon in one year was six hundred threescore and six talents of 
gold. Can someone, uh, 380, let's just do, let's do 600, three score, 75, six. Let's do 700 times 5033. Three. 50333. Five, zero, three, three, three. One more time. How much is it? 3.5 million. 5033 times 700, right? Okay, great. Thank you. So $35 million he made every year through his, it says the weight of gold that came to Solomon in one year. Now, here's the thing. That is in their money. In our money, it's about 250000 or $250 million every year today. That's what it would be. Every single year came in gold. How do you think that happened? I just asked this question earlier and I gave you the answer. So you've got to have the answer by now. How did it happen? What wisdom? Where did you get it from? So did God drop $300 million? What did he do? He told him how. See, I, I, I really just want you to be able to put some of these pieces together and to understand the nature of the God you serve. Because what he asked for, he said, God, I'm just a kid. I'm, I'm young in wisdom. I don't understand these things. But if you would just show me how. <laughs> it's, it, it, you know, I don't know how to address this particular issue. Um, <clears throat> But I've said it a few times, and, and I really, uh, I want you to understand, I believe one of the greatest problems facing people today is they don't know when an opportunity is in front of them. I was never interested in the money. I'm the type of guy that would go take a job at a pizza joint because I want to learn how to make a pizza. And I'll pull up in a Mercedes or a Jaguar and they'll be like, why do you even work here? Because I just want to learn how to make a pizza. <laughs> it doesn't matter what you pay me. If I want to learn, I never worked for money. I've always worked for an opportunity. <laughs> because the money will always come to those who can see opportunity. Those who understand what opportunity looks like. And I guarantee you, if I worked in the pizza shop, I'd be making the best pizzas better than people who need the money they're getting paid. Because you're not going to hire me and I'm not going to work. I'm going to work. Because I firmly believe you don't work, you don't eat. Listen. The greatest problem facing people today is they have no idea when an opportunity is put in front of them. No clue. And they're constantly missing it because they serve mammon. And they really don't even know they're serving mammon. I've watched people, even in church, they want to be promoted, they get mad because other people pass them up. I've seen people on our praise and worship team that, that'll leave 
because other people are singing more than them. Never once do they think you can't sing. (laughs) Never once does the thought say, let me get some training. Let me get better at this. Let me be excellent at it. Let me take your breath away when I open my mouth. See, none of that ever factors in. Well, I've been here longer. I don't care. That's the Methuselah theory. Just because you old don't mean you better. Where's the excellence? Where's the wisdom of God to say, you know what? I can do this, and I can do this better than anybody could ever do. That when another queen comes into my kingdom, and she walks into the house, and her breath is taken away. Because God has shown me how to put it together. God has orchestrated, this is what I want it to look like. No, I just think you should accept my mediocrity and because, besides, God loves us all. He does love us all. <laughs> but he also honors our faith. Amen. He also honors when we follow his wisdom. Yes. And I'm often amazed at how many people bring subpar and want to give it to God and say, well, God should be grateful. And, and they don't say God should be grateful because they don't have enough audacity to say that. You know what they say? Pastor, you ought to be grateful. Which is basically the same thing as saying. But familiarity allows them to see me as a man and not realize the eternal consequence of what they are doing. Notice she said, your people that are serving are blessed. They're clothes. She wasn't just talking about him. She was talking about everybody around. I'm like these people who are, they're just like, they're clothed well. They're eating well. They're living good. We all eating. She goes, this is just amazing. And she brought him, was it $35 million worth of gold? What was it, $30 million, something like that? And just gold? Just herself. Just in the gold. Not to mention the spices and the trees and the, all kinds of stuff that she brought. A great train. <laughs> and you think God can't pay your $500 whatever. <laughs> I'm, I just don't know where that comes from. He taught him how to bring 603 score and six talents of gold every year which is just shy in in today's money of 300 million every single year on top of James 1.5 y'all smell that (laughs) I thought somebody was barbecuing some sacred cows, boy, cooking. I don't do red meat, so you'll have to eat it on your own. <laughs> and you think God can't meet your need for what you're believing for. And you have no idea the problem is not God, it's wisdom. You have yet to ask him, how do I do this, Lord? How do I prosper, Lord? I can't spend all my money on nonsense, One of the things that amazes me, for example, is people who, like, you know, you see 
the um, organic vegetables versus the regular ones, right? And your organic, you know, might cost you a dollar more a pound or 50 cents more a pound or whatever it's going to be. And they're like, I'm not doing all that. It's like, okay, do you realize that your grandparents, every one of you right now, your grandparents in their time would eat an orange. It has 10 times more vitamins and nutrients than the orange you eat today. 10 times. That means you'd have to eat 10 oranges to equal one that they would have eaten. How does that happen? Because they're trying to grow things faster. They're trying to get it out so they can get more out. So then instead of you saying, well, I'm, I, you know, I'm not going to do organic stuff because it costs too much, but then you'll spend $1,000 in pills that you're going to have to take later to offset the $2 you wouldn't spend extra for some broccoli. And then you will get hooked on those pills for $1,000 a month, and you will line the pharmaceutical company pockets. Come on, somebody. I, I just, I, I, am I, is this too much? <laughs> you sure? Are we too woke today? <laughs> James 1.5 says, if you lack wisdom. Let's go to uh, 1.2. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations. Knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. But let patience have her perfect work, that you may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. Nada. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, that he give it to all men liberally, and abradeth not, and it shall be given him. You ever, uh, I don't know, uh, maybe nobody uses an actual book dictionary anymore, but you guys remember when it used to be long, 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 long time ago where there was no electricity and we, and we rode donkeys everywhere. Um, you remember there was a dictionary. It was an abridged and an unabridged. Yeah. Right? And the abridged dictionary was like this. And the and unabridged was like that. Right? Abradeth means that it's unabridged. In other words, he doesn't limit it. If you ask him for wisdom. Now notice the context of the discussion. James chapter 1 verse 2 says... If you fall in diverse temptations, count it all joy. Right? Yeah. Knowing this, trying your faith, work with patience. Let patience have a perfect work. Be perfect and tired, wanting what? Nothing. And if you lack wisdom, if you lack wisdom, let him ask of God. For he giveth to all men liberally. What is he saying? If you get yourself in trouble, all you have to do is ask for wisdom. Quit asking God to get you out of it. Quit asking God for the money to pay for it. Quit asking God for, because that's why you're disappointed. You have yet to say, God, show me how. Give me the wisdom. How do I apply what I know to get out of these diverse temptations, knowing this, trying your faith, work of patience. Let patience have its perfect work, being perfect, unentire, wanting, what? Nothing. Because if I have wisdom, then every situation that comes up, I say, God, show me how to deal with this. And so when this particular problem comes in my uh, employment or in my job or in my business or in my career or in my home or in my family, I'm like, okay, God, listen, I need you to show me because I lack nothing. I am perfect and entire. I want for nothing. So you show me how do we deal with this. Give me the wisdom and understanding. What do I do with this deal? 
What do I do with this situation? How do I handle this thing? And it says, he abradeth not. And I don't have to war in the spirit to get it. I don't have to struggle and fight with God to get it. He, he got it overnight. He went to bed one way and woke up a whole different way. He went to sleep with an idea and woke up empowered to make it happen. He went to sleep struggling. How do I do it? He woke up with an answer. Didn't take long. He said, and I abradeth not. In other words, I don't even limit what I give you. If I called you to do something, I'll show you how to get it done. Then I'll take you one step further just to show you that I'm God. I'll give you more than what you've asked for. So that the moment you asked me, if you would just turn to me and say, Lord, show me how do I do this. I'll show you how to do that and... So because he abradeth not, and notice he says it shall be given unto him. Um, one more place. Good Lord. Now I'm struggling with which one to go to. Uh, <laughs> Proverbs. Proverbs chapter, uh, Proverbs chapter 4. Ugh, one. Y'all give me a few minutes. Praise him. Hear ye children the instruction of a father and attend to no understanding. In other words, pay attention that you will get understanding. Notice what he says. Here's my instructions. Right? I'm giving you an instruction. Now pay attention so you get understanding. Because I could give you an instruction, but because you're too busy with your phone and with your this and with your that, you're not getting understanding. And then you get mad at the person next to you who got understanding, who's applying, and all of a sudden they're going up, and you're wondering, does God love them more than you? No. They are listening to get understanding. Watch what he says. Keep going. For I give you good doctrine. I give you good doctrine. You know what good doctrine is? This is, this is the doctrine that's right. Forsake ye not my law. In other words, don't ignore my law. Because the rules that I have in place, that's important. Keep going. For I was my father's son tender and only beloved in the sight of my mother. Keep going. He taught me also and said unto me, Let thy heart retain my words Keep my commandments and do what? Live. In what? Live. And live. Keep going. Get wisdom. Get understanding. Forget it not. Neither decline from the words of my mouth. Forsake her not. Who, who's her? So forsake wisdom not. And wisdom shall do what? Preserve thee. Love her, and she will do what? Okay. Preserve don't mean pickled. You know, put it in a jar, it was pickles, pickled it, preserves. That's not what they're saying. Preserve means to keep you and to protect you and to give you long life and to have preservation in your life that will keep you and guard you. He said, if you, would, if you forsake her, 
You will not have peace in your home. You will not have preservation in your home. You will not have guarding in your home. Why does wisdom protect you? Because if you go crazy on Black Friday, it's going to be Black Saturday, Sunday, and the rest of the week too. Why? That's not a God thing. You can't go out there and spend every nickel you have on Friday, on Black Friday, because you bought everybody everything that they wanted because you refused to tell your kids to stop competing with the Joneses. So you out here buying everything, going into debt that takes you all year to get back out of debt so that you can go back into debt because it's a lack of wisdom. And then you want to pray to God and say, God, get me out of this situation that he never got you in in the first place because you forgot that Jesus is the reason for Christmas, not the stuff. So you violated wisdom and wonder why there's no preservation. I don't feel guarded. We know. How come he's not guarding my stuff? Because you don't have. Keep going. Verse 7. Wisdom is the principal thing. When you buy a home, uh, well, you, you buy a car, buy a home, anything that you get a loan to acquire, they have certain pieces of that loan. The interest rate you pay, they have the term, they have what's called principal. The principle is the amount that everything else is based on. The principle is the thing that everything else is based on. So when he says wisdom is the... Therefore, chitlins, get wisdom. And with all thy getting... Keep going. Exalt her. And she. Who's she? Shall do what to you? <sighs> I've been working on this job for 35 years. They won't promote me. I've been doing the same thing. And the only people that get promoted are the ones that are kiss-ups. And I just ain't going to do that because I'm keeping it real. I'm, I'm just me. You don't like me, you take what you get. Broke. It shall do what? And bring thee to when thou doest embraced her. So... <laughs> So that means wisdom could be there. But you just won't. You, 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 you ready? So let, let's go to uh, Proverbs 8. Uh, verse 9. They are all plain to him that understandeth and write uh, to them that find knowledge. Receive my instruction and not silver and knowledge rather than seek ye first the kingdom and all the other stuff. For wisdom is better than rubies and all the things that may be desired are not to be compared to it. What's it? I, wisdom, dwell with prudence. 
I find out knowledge of the fear of the Lord is to hate evil, pride, arrogancy, and evil way. And a forward mouth do I. He said, I wisdom dwell with prudence. And then he says, and find out knowledge of witty inventions. <laughs> Somebody got it. I dwell with prudence. And those that uh, prudence... Let me read to you very quickly. I think this will help you. Prudence means a cautiousness to exercise in important matters. In other words, prudence means people who are thinking, who are led, who are not so quick to their to satiate their sensual appetite prudence uh, I'm prudent in other words I I, I don't you're not going to get me to jump because you asked me to jump right. well pastor when are we going to do such and such I don't know <laughs> well we've been talking about it for 10 years oh, but God hasn't told me to go right. well I just move me on to another ministry then I'll have to go to another church because I'm looking for my underwater basket weaving ministry <laughs> bye See, prudent people, they analyze, they understand, they look, they think, they, they process. That's prudence. And notice what he says, I wisdom dwell with prudence. <clears throat> you ever, you ever, I, I, when I first came to Arizona, I, I, I had a roommate. And, and, and after this, I decided that I would never have another roommate again. And I didn't. I've been here, what, 20 years? And I never had another roommate. I made a decision that if I wasn't married to that person, there was not going to be any other roommates in my house. If you, if you, this is why I don't have a dog. Because if you don't have a job, you don't stay here. If I didn't give, if I didn't contribute to your conception, you don't stay here. Right? Now, if I can find me a dog that can be a CNI dog by day, and then come home at night with a paycheck, <laughs> my kind of dog. <clears throat> so, so this roommate I had, I came, they, they, it was a couple, and they had just had a baby, and I came home, and I had an Armani tie that was sitting on a table, and they put a diaper, on, a, a used diaper on top of it. That was a $300 tie. I was fit to be tied. And I decided at that moment, I'm not doing this ever again. I don't want nobody putting their dirty diapers on top of my stuff. Right? So I never had a roommate again. Why? Because we really didn't dwell well together. Y'all thought that story wasn't really, I was just talking. I'm not. Wisdom dwells. Look at this definition. Uh, where is it? There it is. Merriam-Webster's. The ability to govern and discipline oneself by the use of reason. The sagacity and shrewdness 
in the management of affairs. Sagacious means to be highly intelligent or smart. And shrewdness in the management of affairs. Watch what this says. Skill and good judgment in the use of one's resources. Caution or circumspection as to danger or risk. Wisdom dwells with prudence. When you are skilled, <laughs> wisdom works with your skill. Hence the reason why you have to have the ability to develop skill. And you've got to be a person who understands risk and you understand objectives and you understand why. Because see, then that person, wisdom and prudence together will find out knowledge of witty inventions. What do you say to a person, if you had met someone 200 years ago and you told them, you went back in time, met them 200 years ago and said, I drive a car. They'd be like, a what? A car, you know, an automobile. A what? My grandfather, I think, was born in 19-0-something. Can you imagine in his lifetime, he lived to be 98, I believe it was. Can you imagine the things that he saw? How do you say to someone in 1900 that I own a microwave? How, what do you say to someone who, uh, you know, had their milk delivered in a bottle and had an icebox? See, and you call icebox a refrigerator, but that's not an icebox. An icebox was a man came around every morning with a block of ice and put it in the back of your box, which was literally an ice box. Who do you think came up with a refrigerator? Of this, the pet rock, a wire hanger. <laughs> my, uh, my cousin just sent me, my grandmother used to travel and sing. She's sing. if you know anything about like the Cotton Club years ago in the 20s and stuff like that, uh, she used to sing in the Cotton Club. And the reason why she was allowed to sing in the Cotton Club is because she was so fair-skinned that even though she was black, she could pass for white. So they would let her sing because her voice was beautiful, but she also was not uh, in the shade of black where, because they did not let uh, African-Americans sing in the Cotton Club, which was one of the most famous clubs of all American history. So she used to travel all over the country and some places overseas. So my cousin sent me her chest, a steamer trunk, about this big, this wide. Thing's 100 years old cost $400 to ship it. That's how heavy it is. And so when you open it up, it's got shelves for, to hang your clothes inside of it. It's like a little closet kind of thing. And so um, I was talking to Shane, and I'm like, you know, imagine years ago this is how they traveled? I mean, this thing, I had to put it on a dolly to move it. I'm thinking to myself, look at this stuff we got now. We got this, you know, this stuff that's made out of fiberglass and it's all light and it's only like five pounds and you put 150 million things inside of it. You imagine trying to ship this thing on an airplane today? Who do you think came up with all this stuff? 
the progression of life. He said, wisdom and dwells with prudence and finds out knowledge of witty inventions. One moment with God can tell you, hey, here's an idea. Here's what's going to happen. Can you imagine if God had revealed to you uh, to buy Amazon stock before COVID happened? But you never asked. (laughs) I'm trying to get you to see something that wisdom begins to find out knowledge of witty inventions, the things that change, to let you know you could be the next. While you running around telling me what you can't do. Tell somebody if you get it, he'd move on. All right, last place, you ready? And then I'm done, promise. Proverbs 3, verse uh, 13. Proverbs 13, or 3, verse 13. <clears throat> Happy is the man that findeth what? And a man that getteth. For the merchandise of it is better than the merchandise of silver and the gain thereof than fine gold. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and all these things shall be added. Keep going. 16. For, oh, 15. For she is more precious than rubies and all the things thou canst desire are not to be compared unto her. Length of days are in her right hand and in her left hand Length of days are in her right hand. And riches and honor are in her what? Her ways of pleasantness on all her paths are peace. She is a tree of life to them that lay hold upon her. And happy is everyone that retaineth her. The Lord by wisdom hath founded the earth. And by understanding he has established the heavens. By his knowledge are the depths are broken up and the clouds drop down dew. My son, let them not depart from thine eyes. Keep sound wisdom and discretion. So shall thy life be, or life unto thy soul and grace unto thy neck. Thou shalt walk, or then shalt thou walk in the way safely, and thy foot shall not do what? When thou liest down, thou shalt not be afraid. Yea, thou shalt lie down, and thy, shall, and thy sleep shall be what? That's where they get that sweet piece of sleep. So when you follow wisdom. Say this with me. In my house, In my house. There, is there is safety, long life, long life. Honor. honor, and a full supply. A full supply. In, Jesus name. In Jesus' name. Amen. God is so good. We'll keep down this road because I got plenty more to go, but we're out of time tonight. So I am out of time, but I'm never out of word. Amen. All right, y'all. Love you guys. We will see you 
uh, Sunday. Yes. And Baba Calls will see you tomorrow night. Healing 201.